This message today is about a battle plan, about a battle plan. You see, as every veteran here knows, and and really everybody in here, an essential element of every military battle is an effective battle plan. You have to have a plan, okay? We've all heard the saying, failing to plan is planning to fail. How many have heard that before? We've heard that before. We understand the importance of planning. This is especially true when it comes to military engagements and also to spiritual warfare, okay? Now, for a moment now, I was never a history teacher, but I'll act like a history teacher for the next few moments. How many in here, by a show of hands, have ever heard of Operation Overlord? Operation Overlord. Lift your hand if you've heard of that. Okay, we have a few teenagers. Okay, Patterson teaches history very, very well. Thank you, Cullen. Any... Okay, I didn't notice any, any Berwick High School students, okay? I'm, I'm really concerned right now. I'm going to have a talk with Kenny Williams when I see him at school, okay? Operation Overlord. It was only the key to the Allied victory over Germany in World War II. Wikipedia, which is, that's the, the way to find any definition you want these days, defines Operation Overlord as the um, code name for the Battle of Normandy the Allied operation that launched the successful invasion of German-occupied Western Europe during World War II. It was begun on June the 6th, 1944, with the Normandy landings, also known as D-Day. A 1,200-plane airborne assault preceded an amphibious assault involving more than 5,000 vessels. Nearly 160,000 Allied troops crossed the English Channel on June the 6th alone, and more than 2 million Allied troops were in France by the end of August of that year. This battle plan led to the ultimate surrender of Germany to Allied forces in May 1945. Well over a whole year went into planning prior to this huge endeavor. In fact, even more than that, the moment that, that English troops had left, um, had left uh, uh, France at, 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 at the Dunkirk area, they began talking about the need to, to invade uh, or to return to Europe again. So well over a year went into this planning Battle plans are essential to military victories, and they're just as essential for you and I as Christians to be victorious in our spiritual battles against our adversary, the devil. 1 Peter chapter number 5 reminds us about us being in a real battle, and let me read that to you. 1 Peter chapter number 5, starting with verse number 7 Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Why did I read that? Just because that's one of my favorite verses, okay? And some of you are going to need to be reminded of that this week. When, when, uh, when you get cut off in traffic, okay? When, when you pick that register at Walmart and you know what happens in that register, okay? Something goes wrong. By the way, that's usually me, okay? So if you ever see your pastor in a register at, at Walmart, J.D., go to another register, okay? Because I'd love to visit with you, but something's going to go wrong at my register. It's just that anointing I have, okay? But casting all your care on him, knowing that he cares for you. Verse number eight, talking about spiritual battle. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, it's worth noting that it says, as a roaring lion. It's not, he's not a roaring lion, okay? He acts like a roaring lion. He makes a whole lot of noise. He, 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 but he is a true adversary. And then he tells us, Peter does, in verse 9, whom resists steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, remember there's that word again, the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a little while, will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Guys, never forget we win. Never forget, I read the end of the book, we win. Okay, we are victorious. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. We already know that we're going to win. We already know that we're on the winning side. And today, if you'll begin to apply this battle plan that I believe the Lord has given me, you will be more victorious each and every day of your life. Let's pray and look at this simple battle plan that if you put into action, assures us a victory every time and over every scheme of the evil one. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word. Help your word to be our God this morning. I ask today, Lord God, that you would touch each and every person here today. God, there are folks that are, are new in their walk with you. There are folks that are trying to overcome hurts, habits, and hangups. And I pray today, Lord God, that this simple battle plan, Lord God, would remind them that they are victorious, that God, they are conquerors. In fact, the word says they are more than conquerors through you. I pray today, Lord God, that you would bless this message, that you would anoint this talk, and that, God, you would speak to your people in this place today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, amen. If Hunter would help me out and put my little overhead up right here. This simple battle plan came up on my news feed, and the Lord quickened my spirit that there are some people here today that needed to be reminded of these three simple truths. Here's a very simple battle plan, guys, and, and sometimes we overcomplicate things. We do it all the time. We're supposed to keep things simple, okay? The Christian walk is really a pretty simple thing, amen? And if you apply these things, I believe God will honor you for it. Number one, pray. In fact, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. I'm going to talk a lot about prayer because you know what? I think it's one of those elements that, that we know so much about, but we forget about it. We forget about the importance of it. We forget about the effectiveness of it. Hopefully after today, you'll be reminded of that. Secondly, we need to fight. You need to put up a fight. You need to resist. You need to put up a fight. In fact, Paul said, I fought the good fight. Okay, we're supposed to put up a fight. And then finally, we need to trust. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about the, the blessings of trusting in the Lord. And there's just a common element. Trust is always a common element. You got to know that God is for you. You got to know that God has a plan for you. You got to know that God is on your side. Amen? So let's, uh, let's break this down a little bit. First, number, first point, we're supposed to pray. In fact, the Bible says we're supposed to pray without ceasing. In, in fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that very thing. Pray without ceasing. You see, prayer prepares you for battle spiritually. Prayer prepares you for battle spiritually. It's also an effective spiritual weapon. Hey, vets, what is your first training assignment for all military personnel? Mr. Tim, way back when, when you just signed up, uh, you were in the Army? Navy. My, ooh, I, I, just, I just lost a few points with you, okay? okay? When you first signed up for the Navy, I'm, I'm sure there were some documents you signed. They did some physicals, all that kind of stuff. And then where did they send you? 
boot camp. Okay, now would that be in San Diego? Memphis. Wow. I didn't know they did things in Memphis, okay? So, so instead of getting to see the West Coast, you got to see Tennessee. Lucky you, okay? Man. Uh, so here's the deal. Mr. Tim signs up. He's, he's going to see the world, okay? And he gets sent to Memphis. Not a... Milton. So, wow. Wow. So you don't even get to see Memphis. You get to see... Wow. Man, that's rough, okay? But here's the thing about boot camp. What does boot camp do? It, it taught him to be a seaman. It is the training that we put all of our military personnel through that where we teach them how to be a, uh, how to be a soldier. We teach them what they need to know. It is a, a preparation. It is a training time, okay? Boot camp, 6 to 8 to 10, 12 weeks of intense physical and mental training. We would never consider sending our military men and women into harm's way without proper training, right? But how often do we as believers forget or omit the most effective spiritual weapon at our disposal? Prayer. Think about it. We would never think of, 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 of sending a seaman out to sea without boot camp, without training, without schools, and, and, and so they know what they need to do. We'd never think of, of sending a Marine into harm's way without proper training physically and mentally. But how many times do you, as a, you and I as Christians forget the importance of prayer? Forget how effective it really is. I'm convinced that, that we as the church know more about prayer than we often put into practice. Guys, think about how many sermons you've heard on prayer. Think about how many times from this sacred desk that the minister talked about prayer. I think about how many times I've preached on prayer. But guys, we just don't do it enough. I'm going to date myself a little bit. When it comes to prayer, we need to take the advice of the old Nike slogan back in the 90s. Do you remember that one, Blaine? Just do it, okay? Every millennial just looked at me and said, what is he talking about, okay? It was kind of before Jumpman. It was kind of before, before whatever Nike talks about now, okay? But it was just do it. Everywhere is okay. If you had the cool shirt, it said what? Just do it, okay? Well, when it comes to prayer, guys, we need to just do it. We just need to put it into practice. There's a quote on my desk that, that I have right under my phone And it's a reminder to me as your pastor. And it says these words. You can accomplish great things after you've prayed, but nothing great until you've prayed. Let me say that again. Now I'm using that as a personal reminder because every day when I get in my office, I need to be reminded of the importance of prayer. I need to be reminded that I need to hear from headquarters. I need to, to get alone with the Lord so that I can lead this church properly so that I'll know how to respond and react to whatever's going on in my day. But it says this, you can accomplish great things after you've prayed, but nothing great until you've prayed. Guys, that not only applies to pastors, that applies to every one of us here. Jamie, it applies to you before you start up that big truck, okay? It applies to every one of us. Seth, before you take that trip to Baton Rouge, before you begin to to do those plans and all those different things, pray, seek the Lord, because you can do great things after you've prayed, but you can't do much before you've prayed.
Here's a few reminders about prayer, okay? If you're taking notes, there's some good scriptures here. Number one, prayer must be mixed with faith. Prayer must be mixed with faith. Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21, beginning with verse 21. Jesus was talking about the importance of mixing prayer with faith. Matthew 21, 21. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if you will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. Verse 22, And all things, say all things, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Guys, look. We pray a bunch of prayers, and sometimes we, don't, we forget that key ingredient of faith. You know, sometimes we begin to pray, and, 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 and we don't even believe the words we're saying. Oh, it's getting quiet in here, isn't it? Guys, prayer must be mixed with faith. It is the key ingredient. It is absolutely essential for us to be victorious. Jesus said it this way, you have to have faith. You have to ask in prayer, believing. You have to believe. You have to believe that God is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do. We sing a song about him being a way maker, a miracle worker. You have to believe those things. Those of you that responded to the front of this church, thank you for believing. Thank you for having faith. Thank you for believing that God can touch your situation because he can. Amen? But prayer must be mixed with faith. Jesus taught us that. Secondly, prayer is a key to intimacy with Christ. Jesus taught this in John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15, beginning with verse number 5. This is that, that, that amazing portion of Scripture where Jesus is talking about abiding in Him and staying connected to the vine. In verse number 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. But verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words in you, you shall what? Ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Guys, there is a connection to prayers being answered and intimacy with the Lord. Amen? Look, look, guys, if I want somebody to pray for me, I'm going to get that girl on the front row to pray for me because she has an intimate relationship with the Lord. She also kind of cares about me. Okay, I want somebody who has an intimate relationship with the Lord. Okay, I don't want somebody praying for me who just talks to him once a week. No, I want somebody who, who, who understands, Jamie, a connection with the Lord, who's abiding in the vine, who has faith enough, not just for him, but for me too. Guys, we need that. There's a connection between prayers being answered and intimacy. Man, we've seen that. We've seen that before. Prayer is also the antidote to fear, worry, and anxiety. Don't lift your hands, but anybody in here ever struggled with fear, worry, and anxiety? I call them the unholy trinity. We all struggle with that sometimes, huh? Fear, worry, and anxiety. There is an antidote to that. And it's found in Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4, starting with verse number 6. Paul writes, Be careful for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
Guys, you can worry about something or you can pray about something. One of them gets you nowhere. One of them moves heaven and earth. Amen? You can worry about something. You can pray about something. The choice is really up to you. I can't make that choice for you. Sister Valley can't make that choice for you. No, you have to make that choice for yourself. When you have a situation, you have a crisis, you have something going on in your family, you have a choice. Am I going to worry about it? I'm going to stay up late. Am I going to let knots get in my gut? Or I'm going to simply take my request to God. See, God already knows what you're going through. God already knows what the best answer is. He's just waiting for you to ask for his help. He's just waiting for you to say, Lord, I could really use your assistance right now. Okay? But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And look what, ha- look what happens. This is what Paul is saying. If you pray, when, you're, when you want to worry, when you want to be anxious, when you want to be concerned, if you'll pray, here's what God promises to do in verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, guys, how many would rather have peace than worry? Anybody in here? That's an IQ question. That's just making sure you're awake. Okay? That's just making sure you're still with us. Okay? If you, uh, how many would like to have a good night's sleep instead of a, rest, a restless night's sleep? Duh. Okay? How many times you're going through something you can't sleep at night? You're going through things and you're just, you're, you're, you're tied up in, in knots. You're just struggling. You're anxious. You're worried. Guys, why don't you give those things to God? Why don't you uh, maybe take the advice of Peter that we read a little earlier in the the Scripture, casting all our cares on him, knowing that he cares for us. Guys, we got to believe that prayer works. we got to believe that prayer is the answer, that prayer is our first response and not our last resort. Amen? And then finally, we need to be reminded that prayer just simply works. In James chapter number 5, oh, I love James. We're, by the way, if you haven't been on a Wednesday night, we, we've been in James, and we've been having a good old time. Boy, we're taking a good old slow time, too. I mean, look, you, you could wait till the fall. We'll still be in James. But, but hey, it's good stuff, but, but, but don't wait till then. By the way, don't come Wednesday, because if you come Wednesday, you will be by yourself, because we don't have service on Wednesday. But James chapter number 5, verse number 13, James asked the question, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is he merry? Let him sing songs. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. If you ever wondered, what's these little boxes up here? Well, they have anointing oil in, in, in them. And, and we anoint folks that, with oil that need prayer for the sick. Why do we do that? Because that's what James tells us to do. When you do things God's way, you get God's results. Amen? Blessings follow obedience. So when we're obedient, there's any sick, we call for the elders. We pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And look at verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he's committed sins they will be forgiven him confess your faults one to another pray one for another that you may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much it makes a difference amen prayer makes a difference we just don't do prayer during service because I can't preach for an hour because honey I can preach for an hour okay I'm not today Okay, I'm not today, but, but I can preach. Pastor Tommy can sing longer. No, what we do is we pray because it works. Amen? And you got to believe that. I want to close 
this point. Some of you got way too excited right there. I want to close this point on prayer with this little story that I found in uh, God's word for today. How's your prayer life? The question is. So you see, prayer is not a monologue where one person does all the talking or a ritual where we must say the things in the right order or a chore to get out of the way like brushing your teeth before going to bed. Jesus rejects this performance-based understanding of prayer. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense His grace. That's Matthew 6, 6 in the message. For many, prayer has little to do with the realities of life. They think of it like the national anthem at a game. A nice opening, but nothing to do with what really happens on the field afterward. Other people treat prayer like a rabbit's foot. You pull out of your hand when things get tough. A prayer a day will keep the devil away. Paul writes, pray without ceasing. That doesn't sound like something you do once in a while or a flare you shoot up during a crisis, does it? Try substituting the word breathe for the word pray. Instead of pray without ceasing, breathe without ceasing. Doesn't that sound like a good idea to some of you? We don't breathe only when we feel like it or decide I'm not in oxygen today and stop breathing or get frustrated and say this isn't getting me anywhere. I'm not going to do it anymore. No, we cling to the breath in our bodies like it's life because it is. So just as breathing is an indispensable part of your natural life, prayer is an an indispensable part of our spiritual life. Without it, we die spiritually. So, how's your prayer life? Guys, it's the first key to spiritual warfare. It's the first key to the battle plan. It is essential. It's a non-negotiable. You don't get that one. It doesn't matter if you're pretty good at the other two. You have missed the boat. Guys, we need to pray. Amen? Secondly, second point in this this little uh, simple battle plan is fight. Put on the whole armor of God. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. In Ephesians chapter number 6, Paul, who was writing this letter from prison, okay, I believe was, was kind of being inspired by the Lord. He was looking at maybe some of his jailers and, and he began, God began to download to him how, how the armor that those military people wore, the, the armor that those jailers wore had spiritual, um, analogies. And he began to explain that to us. And, and I want to read us that in Ephesians chapter number six. And again, this is part of our battle plan. This is a part of us being victorious. Ephesians chapter number six, starting with verse number 10. Paul says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the enemy. He's basically saying that we need this whole armor. We need every bit of it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We're talking about spiritual warfare right now. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in that evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, now we're beginning to look at the armor, okay? Standing therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. 
Guys, we need to protect our our most vital uh, parts with the truth of God's word. Guys, we live in the last days. There would be, in fact, the Bible says in the last days, there will be perilous times, okay? There'll be folks that'll be proclaiming truth and it'll really be lies. That's why you have to know this word. Amen? You have to know this word. Don't just accept everything that, 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 that even I as your pastor say. Make sure it lines up with this word. Now, I, I, I commit to you that I will, I will preach you this word. When I tell you my opinion, I'll let you know it's my opinion. Okay? But guess what? My opinion is not on par with this word. Amen? And neither is your opinion. Ooh, <laughs> you know, sometimes we think our opinion is, is canon. Our opinion is doctrine. Doesn't work like that. There's only one unerror. There's only one perfect set of plans and it's right here. Amen. So we need to know that word. We need to know what the Bible says. And we're supposed to protect our most vulnerable parts with the truth of God's word. And then having the breastplate of righteousness. You know what, guys? Righteousness covers your heart. Man, righteousness covers your heart. That's a picture of protecting your heart. Guys, we, get, we need to keep our heart pure. Man, the enemy tries to attack our heart. Oh, and now he does it in a subtle way. He has people lie to you. He has people come against you. He, has, he tries to get you to, to let a little piece of bitterness hang on to your heart. Don't do that. Be smarter than that. Amen? But we need to have the righteousness of God covering our hearts, covering our, our chests. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Guys, look, this gospel is peace. We're supposed to have the peace of God everywhere as we walk. Amen? Everywhere as we go, we're supposed to bring the peace of God with us. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. Oh, you got to have a shield of faith. In fact, the Bible says about faith, my wife quoted portion of, of, of Hebrews chapter number 11. Now, faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Verse number 6 says, without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. Guys, how many, we want to please God, don't we? We got to have faith. We got to have a shield of faith. It will protect you. Wherewith, in fact, it tells us how it's going to protect us. Wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts of the wicked. Your faith will stand strong. And take the helmet of salvation. You know, we have a few football players in the house today. Okay, they all looked up at me. Thank you for looking up from your phones. Okay, we have a few football players today. Okay, they all play at Berwick High School. We're excited about that. Okay, could you imagine them running out on the field, Tim, without their helmet? You'd be sitting in stands going, what is Hayden thinking? Okay, what is he thinking? Okay, there are times I've been on the sideline before when you tell a kid who maybe hasn't played as much as... Caden, take your pastor's advice. You're a freshman, Okay. Keon next to you, Hayden next to him, Hunter next up there on the computer. They're all starters, okay? They won't lose their helmet. You're a freshman. You might put it down. You might think, why am I carrying this helmet around? I don't really need it, okay? You may not need it right now, but when somebody says, Caden, get in there, you want to have your helmet. In fact, it's probably even a good idea to keep it on, okay? Have that helmet. We would never send a kid on the field without his helmet. In fact, as an official, if something happens on their helmet, we send them to the sidelines to get it fixed. Why? Because their helmet is so important. We want to protect them little brains, okay? Okay, they need to be protected. Guys, that's why 
The helmet of what to the Christian? Salvation. Man, you got to know you're saved. You got to know you're saved. I was just telling a young man that a little while ago. You got to know you're saved. Don't go by your feelings. Go by your faith. I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know what God's word says about those things, and I stand on them. I believe them. Amen? You know, there are folks that will try to tell you God's not real. There'll be folks that try to tell our teenagers that maybe as they go off to college that God's not real. You know what, Hayden? If you've had a real experience with God, and I know you have, you can look at that professor. Don't say it, okay, because that's, that's how you get expelled, okay? But you can say, no, I don't believe that. I know what God's Word says. I know that I'm saved. I know that I have the helmet of salvation. It's so important. We wouldn't send a kid out on the field without a helmet. How many times do you and I, we doubt God? We doubt God is who he says he is. We even doubt our salvation. Guys, we need to have our helmets on, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What is that? Ooh, you got to know that word. You got to have the Holy Spirit's anointing in your life. Amen. You got to know that. See, this word, this word is a weapon. You got to learn how to use it. Amen? You got to learn how to use it, okay? You got to learn how to use those scriptures. Amen? Think about when Jesus was tempted in the desert. Now, Jesus was God, okay? He could have done anything to the devil. I mean, he could have gave the devil a Holy Ghost kick to the seat of the pants. That'd been cool, Sister Valley. I'd love to see him boot the devil off the mountain. That'd been awesome, okay? But J.D. didn't do that. Why? Because you and I can't do that. But the way he defeated temptation was the same way you and I can defeat temptation. He used the word of God. He used this sword. He said, oh, contraire, mon frere, that is not what the word says. The word says this. You've got to know the word. Because guess what? Your adversary, the devil, he knows this word. And he's going to twist it. He's going to leave one little part out. He's going to make it, he's going to try to twist it. He's going to try to confuse you. That's why you've got to know the word and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, we're being reminded again, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Guys, you got to be, you got to be prayed up. You got to stay faithful. You got to fight the good fight. You see, guys, just as we would never fathom sending one of our military personnel into battle without proper equipment, body armor, etc., we must suit up properly for spiritual battle. But you know what? Putting on armor is not enough. Amen? Putting on football equipment is not enough, okay? You know what? We have several football players in the house. They're all going to suit up on Friday nights, but just suiting up doesn't make you a player. Okay, you got to get in a fight. You got to prove that you're willing to get in a fray. Amen. Putting on the armor is not enough. You must fight the good fight of faith, as Paul described in the clo- in, in, in his closing words to young Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You see, guys, you and I as Christians have got to put up a fight against the evil one. Amen. Some of you make his job way too easy. Okay. Some of you make his job way too easy. Let's resist. Let's fight. Look at the advice for spiritual warfare given to us again by James, this time in James chapter number four. James chapter number four, verse number seven. I'm almost done, by the way. James chapter number four, verse number seven. 
James says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. Now there's three things right here. There's two things you have to do. There's one thing that God promises. Number one, you got to submit yourself to God. You got to make sure you're doing things God's way. Okay. You got to serve God. You got to submit your will to God. But if you do that and you resist the devil, you put up a fight, he will flee from you. James goes on to say, draw nigh unto God. That means draw close to God. He'll draw close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Guys, that is an amazing battle plan in and of itself right there. Fighting the good fight of faith. Put up a fight. Put up a fight. Okay? When temptation comes your way, just don't yield to it. Resist. Put up a fight. Know how to defend yourself spiritually. Amen? You know what, guys? Many of you in here, you understand defending yourself. Okay? You know, Cassidy, if somebody were to mess with you, you could probably put on a little kung fu or something, okay? I'm sure your dad showed you a few things, okay? Because he's a good dad, okay? So you know how to defend yourself. Or at least you know how to holler, okay? Why? Help me, okay? That's, that's resisting. That's putting up a fight. Some of us don't even do that spiritually. The moment we're tempted, the moment we're, we're, we're just, we begin to think about a temptation, we give in. Don't do that. Put up a fight. Amen? The moment your partner calls you up and he's up to no good, hang up on that fool. Okay? I mean, say, hey, I don't roll like that no more. Oh, we got bad connection. <laughs> okay? Act like some of y'all when the bill collector calls. I, I, I don't hear you. Click. Okay? Come on, put up a fight. By the way, you're supposed to pay your bills too. That's a different message for a different day. But do you see what I'm saying? Put up a fight resist the devil. Amen. So we need to pray. We need to fight, put on our whole armor and put up a fight. And finally, we need to trust God for victory. Trust God for victory. We read that in Ephesians chapter number six, when we're talking about putting on the full armor of God and and putting on all those things. It, It says that when you've done all that you can, Having done all, let's look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, so we're supposed to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Having done all, having done all you can, trust that God will take it from there. Amen? Trust that God will take it from there. Trust God for victory. Remember last week we talked about Psalm 125 and it gave a promise to those of you who trust in the Lord. I want to read that to you again. Psalm 125 verses 1 and 2. They who trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed but abides forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forevermore. Guys, when you put your trust in God, that's a good bet. That, that is a secure thing right there. That is a sure thing. Amen? I've read the end of the book, guys. We win. You've heard me say that a bunch of times. But you know what? Today I want to prove it to you. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 19. You know, always say, I read the end of the book and we win. Some of you, you haven't gone home and read the end of the book for yourselves. So I'm going to read it for you today. 
Revelation chapter number 19, I want to begin with verse number 11. This is kind of at the very end of the age when everything kind of wraps up and John the Revelator begins to to tell you what he sees and this is some pretty amazing stuff. So Revelation chapter number 19, verse number 11. John writes, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as flames of fire. On his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven... That's talking about some of us guys. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he should smite the nation. She shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Look at verse 19. And this is what Jesus and his armies coming to earth. This is the second coming right here. This is when Jesus physically returns to this earth. Here's what he's, he's, he's here to do. Verse number 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him and he that would deceive them which had received the mark of the beast and them that had worshipped his image. They both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse and the sword seated out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with flesh. Basically guys, that is Jesus victoriously going into battle. This is the battle of Armageddon where Jesus and his forces, you and I as believers win the victory. Look at, um, chapter number 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. This is my favorite part. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit. And here's my favorite part, and shut him up. Boy, I tell you what, I get excited when I hear the accuser of the brethren, the one who's been lying to you and me for years and years, finally gets shut up. Now I know we're talking about physically shut up, but I believe it. I love that analogy. He got shut up. Shut your mouth, okay? Shut your mouth. You are a loser. You are defeated. And cast him in a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be filled. And after that, he'd be loose for just a short, short season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Guys, that's the millennial reign for you and I as believers. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Look at verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be, talking about you and I as believers, priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So guys, when I tell you I read the end of the book, We just read it together. We win.
We're on the winning team. We win this thing. You and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are are already assured of ultimate victory. But let's start applying these simple battle plans so that we can live the abundant life that Jesus promised in John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that to the fullest, the abundant life. You know what, guys? Some of you are up and down. Some of you are, 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 there are times that the enemy has you staggered, (laughs) okay? He throws them haymakers and and, and you just don't duck quick enough and and you get hit and, and, and you're struggling. That's not the will of God. The will of God is for you to go from glory to glory, from victory to victory. He doesn't want it to be close, amen? You know, guys, we open our season this year, the Berwick Panthers against a, a little a little school right across that river, okay? And, and, and I want us to beat those boys really, really bad, okay? Uh, Austin, I'm sorry we're going to do that to your alma mater, okay? But, but I want us to not even make it close, okay? I don't want it to be close, okay? I want there to be no doubt whatsoever, okay? Now, do I know that's going to happen? I don't know. I hope so, okay? We're going to try our best to make that happen. But here's one thing I am assured of. Guys, the battle between Jesus Christ and the devil is not even close. Amen? It is, it's not even close. Could, could you imagine a little baby in the nursery trying to, trying to scrap with Hayden Seneca or trying to scrap with Hunter Seneca? It'd be like a little game. It'd be like, what are you doing? Guys, the devil is defeated. Amen? We are on the winning team. Now it's up to you to act like it. It's up to you to act like it. It's up to you to apply that battle plan, pray without ceasing, fight putting on the full armor of God, and trusting. When you've done all you can, trust God for the outcome. Amen?